It's really, really a privilege to be here with you today, me and Linda. It's our first time, not in the church, but to be um, ministering today. I just want to say a big thank you to Pastor Mark and Kathy. I remember in our first church in Budley, when we just left Bible College, and we was there, it used to flood a lot, they put barriers up now. And we rented a little office in Budley Town Centre. And uh, the, the first, when, when, the, when the floods hit, our church, we called our church Riverside Church. I mean, that's an appropriate name, isn't it? <laughs> and then I uh, went into the office, and there's an answering machine, uh, like, flashing. And I pressed it, and I heard this voice asking us if it was okay. It was Pastor Mark when he was in Letchworth. And I just thought that was my first sort of um, interaction with, with your pastor, was a phone call concerned about how he was as a church because of the floods. And uh, over the years, we've become great friends, and I know that, it, especially now in Northampton, most of the stuff, uh, the stuff that we, we turn out, membership, I just said, uh, Pastor Mark, have you got a membership uh, that you, I can have a look at? And I just changed the name to Elam Northampton <laughs> and use all this stuff. So I'm looking good from all your work, Pastor Mark. Thank you. But uh, you have helped us so much and still are, so thank you for inviting us today. It's What a great church. Great to see Helen here. Fantastic, isn't it, here? Don't you think, you know, sometimes you can get familiar in church. I know from being a pastor in my church, but you've got an amazing church, you know. And uh, I just think that God, you're just even on the tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do in this church. And uh, do you believe that? Yes. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's great when church talks back at you, not at you. So you have permission to go amen if you want. Just encourage me a little bit. I am nervous. <laughs> I want to talk to you about Elijah and Elisha. Um, many of you may know the story, so I'm just going to go over it. not going to read all of it. But I want to come to a part where uh, Elisha has been called by Elijah to follow him. And he goes through a season of, of things in his life of training. And then as he crosses uh, over a river for a miracle of God, Elijah asks him a question. And he said to him, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And I want to ask you that question today. If Jesus were to ask you a question today before you leave church and ask you the same question, what answer would you give him? Because I want to try and get out of you something greater than you've come in church with. I want to encourage you that God's asking us as a question because our nation needs Jesus. And so he wants us to ask him things that will help not only touch our lives, but to touch the people around our city our neighbors, our nations, our workplaces. And he asks a question, tell me what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And his reply is this, and I, I want to bring this to you. He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. What a response to that question. And Elisha replied, you've asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. The title of this sermon is called The Big Ask. And I'm hoping today as an individual and as a church that you begin to ask bigger things from him within your life. Please don't look at your circumstances or your background or your qualifications, but to look to a God who can answer prayer. And I want to encourage you today to begin to ask God for things that you would be scared of asking him for, for your life. Not only just for you, but to go through your life. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. And sometimes through life 
and circumstances, we begin to pull back from asking God and believing God for greater things in our lives and our families and our situations. Now, there are some things that, that God won't say yes to. Remember the two, bro- the two sons that asked Jesus, his mum asked him to sit at the right and the left. And he said, no, I can't really grant that kind of prayer. So sometimes we ask things that God says, no, I can't give you that. They're just things that you can't have. But sometimes James says that you have not because you ask not. And I just think that we more lean to that side than asking for things that God won't give us. And maybe today you have not been asking God for some things in your life. And we need to really ask him for things that we want to see happen through us and in us. And so I want to encourage you today to ask God for something. What are you asking God for in your life right now? If Jesus were to ask you that question, what could I do for you? What would you ask him? Just think of one thing that you're asking God for in your life to bring a breakthrough. Bartimaeus said, I want a seed. David said, I want Goliath. Caleb said, I want this mountain. A woman with the issue said, if I only can touch his garment. And Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory. Let your hand be on me and keep me safe from harm that I may be free from pain. And God granted his request. What are you asking God for in your life? And I know that sometimes in my own life, I'm static in asking. Because I just think, oh, well, you know, God wouldn't answer my sort of prayers because, you know, there's other people that's more clever or, you know, they've got it all together. He'd probably answer their prayers. And I want to, if I could just eliminate every sort of excuse for you today that you're not good enough, clever enough, perfect enough, if we could eliminate that. If you think, well, my prayer, you know, what God, if, why would God want to answer my with all the, the, the world in so much of a mess? Why would God wants to, want to answer me? Because at the end of your request, there's people that need to be touched. And I want to just eliminate every excuse that you have in your life right now. Your struggle, your, your circumstances, your complaint, your, your inability to just eliminate that. And if you could ask God one thing, what would it be for your life? And so he said, what can I do for you before I go? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he said to him, you've asked a difficult thing. Can I just encourage you today? If you're going to ask God for something, make sure it's difficult. Because we ask God for things that is not difficult. That means you don't need him. And what we must do is that when we come before God, we must ask for something that we cannot do without him. So when he said you've asked a difficult thing, that wasn't a disappointment. That was something encouraging because he knew that what he was going to ask for, that he needed God to give it to him. And I want to encourage you today that is your prayers... Is your prayers big enough that without God, they cannot come off? And maybe what you're praying for as a church, I want, I want to encourage you that I want it to be a difficult thing. Because if, not, if it's not difficult, you can pull it off yourself. And if you can pull it off yourself, it's not big enough for God to get involved in. So if you have a difficult or, or an impossibility in your life, you're in, a, you're in good place today. Because God's the God of impossible. And you need to begin to ask him for things that you are scared of asking for. Things that you think that God would not be able to do in you and through you. Because God wants to begin to cultivate a faith in our life that we need him to press through in every area of our lives. So I'm asking what you're asking God for in your life. Is it a difficult thing? Can it be done without God or is it only can be done through you? Because the thing is this, without faith it's impossible to please God. 
And most of the times that we're asking God for things, it's that, you know, the problem is that we probably can do it ourselves. Sometimes we ask God, you know, to help us lose weight and we just don't want to go to the gym. <laughs> God's not interested in them kind of prayers. Because a lot of the stuff that we ask God for, it's, sometimes it's laziness that we don't want to put our lives to it. And so the first thing that I want to say to you is this. Are you asking God for big things? Things that you need God for to get involved. And secondly, if you know your prayers on the right angle, it's not just selfie. He said, I want a double portion. He realized that he needed doubly amount of the anointing of God in his life for the works that was ahead. The prayers that we ask God for, number one, is that we need to be specific. Second, that we need to know that we need God involved. And thirdly, they've got to go through us. If we're only asking for prayers just to touch our own lives to bless us, they're not the kind of prayers that God always wants to say amen to. And he will do that. He will bless us. But the kind of prayers that get God excited is that they will go through our lives and touch a neighbor, touch a nation, touch a city. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to answer our prayers that's going to bring loads of people to know his son. And so I want you to get excited about asking God for great things. And, but I want to try and earth it a little bit because we've heard some testimony today about, you know, I walked into church and God changed my life in a moment. And he did that. Next week, he did the same with Linda, and then we just served God, and it seems, oh, isn't that amazing? And we get excited about those little snippets of the movement of God in our lives. But, you know, what about the, the 28 years that we've walked with hardship and difficulties and disappointment and thinking, where's God now? Because do you not think that happens? And the, and the problem is that we have the faith prayers we have the testimonies of God breaking in, and then we've got the next 10 years of hardship, and we think, where's God now? And many Christians lose sight of their purpose because of the behind the scenes of work, working things out in season and out of season. So I want to urge three steps very quickly to help you not lose the dream in your heart and to press in the prayers that you're asking God for to do amazingly more than you can ask or imagine because God's got good plans for you. Do you believe that? Well, the thing is, Ephesians tells me that he has good plans worked out in advance for us to walk into. So I'm, I know I'm, I'm not that smart, but I'm smart enough to know that God hasn't got me as an afterthought. And he hasn't got you as an afterthought and thinking, oh, we'll, we'll think about something for them to do later. You know, God decided for his plan for you before you was even saved. He said, I've got good plans prepared in advance for you to walk into. So my goal now as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, is to align my life to him and say, God, whatever you've planned for me, I want to walk into that. It's not about my will or, or my desires in a sense, because God gives us the desires of our hearts, but I want to align my desires to his, to find out what he wants me to do with all of my life and give it my best shot. And so I want to pray big prayers I want to pray prayers that if God doesn't pull it off, it's never going to happen. Because that's the kind of exciting life that you want to get up to. You know, there's nothing greater to know that if you, you know, in your life that you need God to pull something off. You know, it's amazing when he does what, what it does in your life. And you know, it pleases God when you live like that. When you, you know, you're trusting him that he has to come through. Or if he doesn't come through, it's going to be all over. You know, I just believe it pleases the heart of God because it's about a trust relationship with him. But as you look at this prayer, you know, it took Elisha some time to pray this kind of prayer. He walked 10 years with Elijah around that time, just serving him and going through the motions. And I want to take you just through three steps 
that I believe is really important to ground us in the kind of faith levels that we want to go as, a, as an individual and as a church where we can see God's promises and, and prayers answered in our generation. The first thing that we read is that, that, that Elijah was going to kill himself. He, he saw fire come. It's amazing, isn't it? You have a great Sunday service on Monday, you want to go and jump off a bridge. <laughs> Elijah had an amazing Sunday meeting. Fire fell, prophets died. It was an amazing. The next minute, he's running from a, a lady that threatens to kill him. And then he, he gets under a tree and asks God if he'd kill him. Thank God, God doesn't answer some of our prayers. <laughs> and God said, no, I'm not going to kill you because I'm not finished with you yet. And you might be in a depressed season, a dying season, want to give up season, want to throw everything, just want to jump over a bridge season, and God would say to you, I've not finished with you yet. Because the devil wants you to do that. But God's got great plans for our life. And so he said, Elijah, I've not finished with you. I want you to go and anoint some people for the purposes of God. I want the blessing of God that you receive to go through you into another generation. And he said, I want you to go and find a young man called Elisha. And he's there with 12 oxen, and he's, he's actually going behind, and, 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 and do, going behind the, the 12th oxen, plowing out the grounds. I want you to go and find him and anoint him. And here's the thing, the first thing that I want to identify is that you want to do something great for God. You want to, you want to see these great prayers answered, you want to see the fire fall, you want to see miracles happen. Then I tell you the first step is that you have to be faithful and available. Because Elisha was behind two backsides of two bulls for a long time, day in and day out, thinking, where's God? He had no idea that Elijah was going to come and throw his mantle upon his life for his purpose. So every morning he would get up and there he would be staring at two backsides of two oxes, plowing the field. Anybody there right now? <laughs> thinking, thinking, thinking life? It's just so disappointing. And can you imagine what he was looking at for 10 hours a day? And these, these oxen, they stopped quite a lot for toilet breaks. <laughs> I know we're in church, but I want you to get a reality because some, some of us are in situations that's not great. And we think, where's God? But every morning, Elisha made a decision. First of all, he thanked God that he had a job, even though it wasn't the greatest. And he said, I'm going to be faithful to what I have in front of me. I'm going to be faithful to, for two oxen. And when God, I'm ready for God to do what he wants to see him faithful. Because the thing is, God looks at our lives and he sees if you can be faithful with the little that you have. You can pray amazing, massive prayers, but if you can't be faithful with little, God's not going to give you anything else. And he looks for faithfulness in our lives. And he, he said to Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to anoint him. Can you imagine this? The morning that Elijah was on his journey to anoint Elisha, Elijah got up out of his, Elisha got out of his bed, looked out of his curtains and saw that it was raining. I can't be bothered to go to church today. I don't feel like it. Can you imagine what was coming into his future? Because he looked out the window and he said, I know it's a difficult season. I know I've got to go and look at the backsides of them two oxes again. But I'm going to be faithful for what I've been given. 
And as he got out of his door that morning to walk again to the mundane routine of life, buying two oxen in a muddy field, God was on his way to change his present. I want to say to you today, how many of you really want to do something for God with all of your heart and life? I want to say you have to be available and you have to be faithful. You know, in church life, you hear a lot of promises from people to do something for God. I've had loads of people say to me, I want to serve God with all my heart. God's given me a vision and a dream. I have a guess next Sunday, they're never there. And God sometimes has I've urged us to say, do you know what? I want to give that person an opportunity to serve. And I'm excited about coming to church and finding them so I can offer them the opportunity only to find out they couldn't be bothered coming. And then you miss the opportunity. But do you know, as Elijah was walking to that field, the 12th oxen in line, there was Elisha faithful in season and then available. It's great to hear the testimonies of God doing the miracles in our lives, but what about the 20 years of sorting out my culture out? What about sorting my attitude out? What about dealing with how to bring up a family? What about learning to read? When I went to Bible college, I started to cry because I failed the English. I went to the Greek lecture to see what that was about, and I came out crying because I couldn't understand the English. It's great, the call of God. Amazingly saved. But my life was a mess, thinking, how am I going to get through this? Because I can't even read. I had to get the dictionary out to look up the English words, what they were saying, to understand English. Day in, day out, behind two oxen. But we made a decision. I'm not going anywhere because God's told us to do it. What about when our marriage gets difficult? We have the promises of God and the purposes of God and the prayers of God and the dynamic conversions and drugs went. But what about our pride and our attitude to my marriage and my culture? They have to be faithful in the dark. But sometimes can God promote you in the light? And Elijah comes by and throws his cloak upon him no idea, maybe in his heart about his future, maybe a bigger dream in his heart than staying behind two oxen. And there are some of you in here today that have that dream thing, how am I going to get past the two oxen? And that's the problem, because oxes can blind us of the purposes of God. And he was in a field covered by all sorts of stuff, mud pats, and, and sometimes you can get so down because you think God's never going to turn up, but God was on his way. And if you could just lift up your eyes a little bit, above the oxen and begin to look to find him, that he was faithful, will find you. You don't have to push, promote, flaunt yourself. God will find you. Found Moses in a desert. Found Gideon in a wine press. Found Elisha in a field behind two oxen. You think, oh, nobody's noticing me. God looks for you. The only person that you have to impress is Jesus. And I tell you something, Elisha impressed God. Because he said, I haven't seen him in a pulpit, I've seen him in a field, plowing out behind two oxen. You go and anoint him. And Elijah goes, and have a guess what? He was there, behind the two oxen, and he threw his cloak. That means he was chosen. And you need to know today that you're chosen by God to do something more than just die behind two oxen. 
The first thing that you have to do is that you have to be available and you have to be faithful to what God has given to you. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I want to encourage you today that if you're thinking, I wonder if God's going to work for me. I want it to be faithful, be available, and God will find you. And he will throw something upon your life that you never expected. And there, here what happens next. Elisha gets so excited about a new adventure. He runs after Elijah and he goes, can I go back and just say goodbye to my mum and dad? And Elijah, Elijah's response is amazing. He said, oh, what have I done to you? Go home. Do you know something? You know when God's opportunity comes to your life? I tell you, God doesn't always wait around for you to make your mind up. We think we so oblige God when he asks us to do something for him. And think God's going to wait 20 years for us to make our mind. Elijah says, you go home, I'm going. If you, you make a decision, if you want to follow, you follow. But I'm not going to pressure you. I put the call upon your life. I, know, I told you what's expected. Now you go. I'm going to release you from the pressure and responsibility. I'm not going to force you. But I'm not going to stand here waiting for you. I'm on my way. And he left him. Have you ever thought about that? How many Christians have missed the opportunity of God because they think God's going to wait around with them forever? Thank God for Jonah, giving us an example of a second chance. But I tell you, in days coming in our nation and our world, God needs people to respond quickly and do what is ever needed for the kingdom of God. We, we can't just think that we're doing God a favor for following him. And so he says, right, he said, okay, I'm going to go. And he went back, and this is what I love about that. He went back and he sacrificed those oxen. And he made a fire with, his, fire with his plows. And I'll tell you the second thing, that if you really want to see God move in your life, you have to be willing to die to yourself, and you have to be willing to sacrifice something. Something has to be put on the altar. Of, of, of Something's got to die. I think it was exciting for Elisha, actually, killing them bulls. I thought, I can imagine him thinking, I've been looking at you, for the last five years of my life, I can't wait to put this knife in you because I'm sick of seeing you. We think sacrifice is miserable. It's not. Putting something on the altar when God's asked you is the greatest privilege that we can ever have. What's God asked you to give up for him to follow him? Because it will cost you. Salvation is free. But if you're going to go to the next level, it will cost you something. So he went back and he made sure that he killed those oxen and he burnt his plows and he looked after his mum and dad and he left because he realized this. If I keep those oxen alive and keep those things available for me to go back to, I have a temptation that when I leave and I find out that Elijah's not as nice as he thought he was, I might just leave him and go back. He made a choice. I am not giving myself permission to go back. I am not turning back, nowhere to go, only to follow him. And I wonder today if you're in church and you think, oh, do you know what? I don't know if I'm going to continue following Jesus. I might just turn back and go back to my old ways. Listen, don't do it. Don't waste your time. Don't cause yourself any more pain. And he's willing to lay on the altar something to follow him. Two oxen. What's your oxen? 
though you have to kill today. Some of you have oxen that you need to slaughter. Unforgiveness, shame, the mistake that you've made years ago that follows you around day and night. You need to kill it. Fear, opinion of others. What, what's your ox that you have to kill today? Is it the love of money? What, what is it that, that God's been speaking to you about for weeks in this church? That you have to lay on the altar so you can get something greater. Because I don't know anybody in history that has done anything great for God that hasn't, hasn't cost him anything. And it will cost. We want to see a harvest. We want to see a move of God like we've never seen. It's going to cost. But I tell you what, it's a privilege. And finally, as he moves on, it says he became his servant. He was faithful. He was willing to sacrifice. And he was willing to commit to the vision. Third thing. He said to Elijah, I am not leaving you. Persistence, fulfilling purpose is absolutely important. At Gilgal, he said, you stay here, and I'm going on. He said, I'm not staying. I'm not going to give up. I'm committed to you to the end. Any vision that's ever going to get fulfilled, you have to stick to it. You have to be committed to it. I'll tell you something. When I first went to Northampton, this person came to me, got on his knees and said to me, Pastor, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to show you as a symbol how much that means to me. Got on his knees, that I'm just a servant to you. That guy never did a thing in three years. <laughs> and then left eventually. If you're going to see a great thing happen in this church, you have to be committed to the vision of the leadership of the church. It's not going to get done. No agenda. You can't have your own agenda. It's not going to happen. It's too important. Too many people who don't know Jesus yet are waiting for you. I'm not going to leave you. Place of beginnings, Gilgal, Bethel, a place of dreams. It's great to dream, but you've got to move on. Place of Jericho, a place of past victories. Thank God for what BCC has happened in the past, but there is a future. There's greater ahead, folks. There's more dominion. More authority, more ground to reach, more people to touch, more souls to save, more healing to be released throughout your lives. Then he came to the River Jordan, a place of present victories. Thank God for what he's doing now, but never let that stop you for what God's ahead. And so Elijah was hungry for more. Are you hungry for more? Are you content with you are? Maybe the oxen that you have to kill is contentment. Oh, I'm comfortable now. I've got my money in the bank. I've got the house that I want, the car that I've got. My kids have gone through college. I'm really comfortable now. Let me tell you something. That'll kill you. And as I come to a close, Elijah said to him, you've asked a difficult thing, but if you see me, there's a condition to answer prayer. If you see me, the most important thing that you must never get distracted of is keeping your eyes on Jesus. See, before he asked this prayer, there was 50 prophets trying to put him off. 
intimidating. And sometimes we hang around with the wrong crowds that rob us of the promise of God. And we've got to say goodbye to them. Because what's most important is his will for our lives. He said, if you see me, when I go, you can have it. And what we need in our lives is a double portion of his Holy Spirit. Is empowering for what's ahead of our lives. But we need to be available and faithful. We need to be willing to put stuff on the altar for Jesus. And we need to be committed and persistent to the purpose of God in our lives and as a church. And God will send his presence for the next season in our lives. Let's just stand together.